you should always be thinking that you need to be fairly compensated for the value that you are bringing. And so therefore, if there's a discrepancy in the value that you're bringing to the table and the way that you're being compensated, it's a question about parity and it's a question about fairness, really. So sometimes if you just detract yourself as an individual from the equation and actually think about it as the value and actually when you're going on your career journey, document the value that you're bringing, document those achievements and document those results. It can be a little bit easier. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti, and I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children. And that leads to gender inequality and the same stale, mostly male, middle-class people leading our organizations. We must change this. And I hope that many of you listening to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible, where you make decisions that make our world a better place. Thank you for listening. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. You can find out all about our work on the website and the best way to be kept in touch with things is the newsletter on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter. I wanted to let you know that we are changing the date when we release the podcast. So from now on, we're going to change the release date to Thursdays, which is mainly to make it easier for my team to work on it as many of them don't work on a Monday. So let me know if you have any questions or comments about that, but we're going to try that. Today, I'm talking to Toby Azare, author of the book, The Blend, and curator of the website, My Bump Pay. We talk about negotiating for a pay rise, how to show your value, how to overcome the part-time paid penalty as a working parent, and how to make sure you're not suffering from the pension pay gap, especially after having taken parental leave. Very important conversation in my view. I hope you enjoy. Amazing. Thank you so much. Like you say, it's an absolute honour to be on this podcast, especially as an avid listener on my weekly walks. So yeah, it's lovely to be here today. Thank you for introducing me. My name is Toby. I run a platform called My Bump Pay, which is really there to help women smash the glass ceiling with a baby on the way and beyond. It's a content-based platform. I absolutely love it. And it's now out there in the format of a book, which feels absolutely unreal to me, called The Blend, How to Successfully Manage a Career and a Family. That's just part of one of the many hats that I wear. The main hat that I wear is as a board member and business development director at one of the UK's largest media agencies, OMD UK. And I have two children, Joshua, who is five, and Grace, who is three, and my husband as well. Wow, a very full life, I am sure. Yes. Um, And tell me one thing you used to believe to be true about combining big careers with young children that you don't subscribe to anymore. Gosh, it's really hard to think about. One thing I used to believe, I think I went into it thinking that, A, I'd be really good as a parent or it would naturally just happen for me because I grew up in a really big family so I thought you know the whole parenting thing would be pretty easy and I'll just kind of lump it alongside everything else that I do and it's not saying that you can't do all of those things but actually parenting is is hard 
working is hard and blending the two of those things is therefore also hard. Definitely not impossible. So I think that's probably the thing that surprised me about parenting and work and being a parent that actually it was harder than I thought it would be because I thought I'd just be a natural mother but actually it wasn't the case Mm. yeah it's so funny isn't it how we just I mean even just I don't know if you ended up breastfeeding or not but it's such a funny thing with the physiology even the physiological stuff you know you assume it just comes naturally and for me it definitely didn't and yeah it's, it's so strange isn't it Absolutely. I remember those videos that they show you in those antenatal classes of kind of the baby naturally rooting for the breast and you just think, oh, it'll be as easy as that. And no, for me, you know, just breastfeeding is a small example. That was a real uphill struggle. Both of my children had tongue tie and eventually, you know, going through that and resolving that and then kind of learning how to make that attachment. So everything in parenting every single day is a lesson, but those lessons make us stronger and better. But it is definitely a journey. Definitely. And it's a journey that always keeps us on our toes as soon as you cracked. Or you think you've cracked something. Yes. There's a new a new area of learning, let's put it that way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so your book is called The Blend. And I know that you're an advocate of blending work and life and family commitment and your self-care rather than work-life balance. Can you tell me a bit more about why you could take that approach? So I remember very clearly with my first child, kind of searching for this elusive balance. And the more I really pondered on it and just desperately trying to find this balance I discovered or felt very strongly that actually this balance doesn't necessarily exist because the whole notion of balance the whole idea of balance gives this illusion that you've got two neatly apportioned loads on each side so you've got a very neat bucket called work and you maybe you've got a very neat bucket called parenting and maybe you've got a very neat bucket called you know self-care or time for yourself when in reality Parenting is really hard, as we've mentioned, and it can be very messy. You know, building your career is never straightforward. It can be squiggly. I love the the podcast and the ladies that do squiggly careers, and I think it's an absolutely brilliant ideal to kind of subscribe to. But yes, building your careers can also be messy and squiggly and also kind of finding time for yourself and making sure you're investing in yourself isn't straightforward. And all of those little buckets in life are never kind of neatly apportioned or equally weighted or equally loaded. And I think, therefore, trying to build something that it is almost kind of gives a false fallacy that that balance is possible. Whereas when I think of the blend, I feel it's actually quite a harmonious thing to think about. You take the different mix of ingredients or structures that you need to make life work for you in that particular season. So sometimes I think about making a cake. You know, if you want to make a lemon cake, then you take, you know, the ingredients to make that lemon cake. And if you want to take a chocolate cake, you take a different set of ingredients. And sometimes in your blend and in your mix, there is more family time in the mix, or there's more focus on family in the mix, depending on the season that you're in. And then other times there's more of your career ambitions and your career demands within that mix or blend of kind of parenting and life. And that's more than okay. So I found actually thinking about it as a blend to be quite forgiving, quite harmonious and allows you to flex as you need as life evolves, as we all know that it definitely does. I love this book, which I can't remember the time of, which is not helpful, but I think it's called 2000 Weeks. You know, the idea of, and the whole premise of this by Oliver Bergman, and the premise is you're always going to have not enough time because you're going to die after 2000 weeks I think something like that anyways it's quite an uplifting book but also you know just real right we're never going to have enough time and I think the same comes to the blend you're never going to be doing all the school project and 
World Book Day preparation yeah. and this, that and the other. It's just a reality. And, and as you say, you have to try to be in the moment and enjoy without making that sound easy. It's really not easy, but also it is quite fun at times. But you don't just blend work and life, technically. You also blend like a little, quite a big side project with your website and content platform. Can you just tell our listeners, how do you do that? That's a good question. I often ask myself the same question. I try and be as structured as I can about it, but also flexible at the same time. So, you know, if work is incredibly demanding in that season or weeks, then I don't necessarily attend that much time to the My Bump Pay platform because there's a wealth of information on there already, which is amazing, which means people can just go on and hopefully find what they need between that and the book. Hopefully people are, you know, are well equipped in that particular sense. But in terms of practical tips, my children, thankfully, hopefully not all the time, are in you know a pretty good routine. So when they go to bed is really my time to do as I please. So sometimes that is working on my bump pay. Sometimes it's seeing friends. Sometimes it's working on extra work for my day job, if that's what is required at that particular moment in time. And also the same with sometimes weekends, if they've got some classes in the morning, then I kind of will scribble away to kind of use that time and use my commute time, for example. I always say it's not for the faint-hearted. You have to be really willing, passionate, committed. There are sacrifices. But for me, it's so massively important, deeply personally important, that I feel that every woman has the opportunity, the tools, the information, much like your doing with your podcast the inspiration to actually go out there and build either the career or the life that they so desperately want and not let building a family get in the way of that and actually you know allow building a family to give you the skills and the inspiration to still do those things and still have that big career or you know have that big life goal so it's not always practically easy and I like to be structured but flexible and I think it's really important that you say it is not easy and nobody should feel bad if they feel it's tough because it, it really is but also it's, I mean nobody can see your face but your face lights up when you talk about these different areas of work so it sounds like you are doing it because of a purpose absolutely yes yeah and I think I mean maybe it's because the sun is shining and I'm feeling really enthused <laughs> generally but I think there is something of course it's exhausting to have both parenting and career and then also other challenging side things that you're involved in but there's something really nice to be involved in things that have a purpose and actually if you can make a difference then why not that's much better than not you know not doing that for me personally anyways I can agree more there's nothing better when sometimes I open my inbox to an email that says I read a page of your book and it gave me the confidence to have a conversation with my peers or with my boss. And I'm now in a process where I'm kind of reviewing my role and possibly going for a promotion, or I feel like I've got more confidence today just to ask a question, or I feel like actually I've got the confidence just to show up at work. And sometimes that in itself is huge as it is, as we all know, kind of coming back from maternity leave and everything that can potentially do to your confidence and how you show up in the workplace. So that fills me with so much joy because I just feel like imagine if we have an army of women who just feel confident about showing up as their true selves and giving everything that they can do to give their best irrespective of growing and building a family. Fantastic and when I first saw your profile pop up online it was really around the pay and I was fascinated Mm -hmm. by it because I think we just don't talk about money enough and it is reality isn't it your 
pay is negatively affected by having children. It's not the children's fault, it's the system's fault. But as a working parent, that is mm. what's happening. What made you start thinking about pay and parenthood? It's a really good question. I was the first person in my office location at the, where I worked at the time to go on maternity leave. So they were very much on this journey of figuring out what you know maternity pay packages look like and, and what to offer. So that is something that definitely piqued my interest. And actually, the platform started all around money because I felt and I knew from my firsthand experience that money is such a massive component to starting and raising and going on the journey of of building a family. And therefore, actually, if we start to equip women and couples with as much information around the whole money side, that hopefully people can make really informed decisions that will help empower the right decisions that will last them throughout their career. So that's really kind of where it started. And the more I kind of dug into it, I realized, you know, obviously, we all know stats around the gender pay gap, etc. But I realized that there really is a real need for women in particular to be talking about money. There's a statistic in the United States, and it's based on dollars. So forgive me that but there is a statistic in United States that says, because women don't necessarily always talk about money or advocate or negotiate, over a lifetime, they can lose up to, I think it's between 1 million and 1.5 million US dollars just by not negotiating and talking about money. So that could be anything to you know, the impact of your pension at the end of your working life to, you know, promotions and opportunities and maybe savings through negotiations and things like that. So fundamentally, it's really important from the very beginning, even before we have children, to instill a confidence and equip women to be able to talk about money but we all know that having a child is a really pivotal point in that journey. How did you get that confidence to talk about money? Is it because you are as a business development director you have to talk about money for your job or have you just got a natural ease with it? I don't think I necessarily have a natural ease. I think I also have the same questions and inertia in my mind as everybody else but it is for me at least hearing stats like that stat at the beginning that I just mentioned, that makes me feel like if I don't ask, (laughs) I won't necessarily know or I won't get. And I may get a no, but with that no, I will hopefully ask questions around why. Why is that? Get those data points and try and figure out what that means for my story and for my journey. And for the next time I would like to ask, how can I make a better ask, a more convincing ask? So always think of data like that. But also I think about it and I encourage women to think about it in the terms of value. So if you're thinking about the value that you are bringing either to an organization or to a discussion or to a commercial agreement of some kind, you should always be thinking that you need to be fairly compensated for the value that you are bringing. And so therefore, if there's a discrepancy in the value that you're bringing to the table and the way that you're being compensated, it's a question about parity and it's a question about fairness really so sometimes if you just detract yourself as an individual from the equation and actually think about it as the value and actually when you're going on your career journey document the value that you're bringing document those achievements and document those results it can be a little bit easier and also I think you know start with the small things just get into the habit of asking questions and having those conversations that sometimes are slightly uncomfortable if you start with something small and you just kind of you realize actually it's not that scary and through that conversation you've hopefully unlocked 
a new insight that's enabled you to do something better or smarter or quicker the next time. So it it really is a journey. And there's some wonderful people out there who are either confidence coaches or career coaches that can actually help unlock the power to have some of these conversations as well. Mm. Yeah, I think you are right. Very often, the first thing is about asking out to the podcast. You might have come across it with uh, Vanessa Bonds. And I never forget that she says in her research, she found that people underestimate the number, the, the likelihood of people to say yes. People are much more likely to say yes than you think. And I think that's especially true given, I just read a stat last week, apparently 93% of employers have trouble attracting talent right now. And we're recording this in April 2023. So that means you are in a good negotiating position. They probably want to keep you. And especially if you're adding that value, obviously there's systemic challenges to the gender pay gap. You know, There's discrimination and all that. But if you don't ask, you don't get. And you need to practice asking. I always think... I- I, I hate to kind of stereotype or put people into a box like this, but I always think that what, what would a man do in that situation? And not always, not always this is necessarily true, but I think organisations, especially if you are, let's say, going for a new job, organisations expect you to have a bit of a negotiation back and forth. And the negotiation doesn't necessarily always have to be about money because that might not be the thing that's valuable to you. It may be flexible working or it may be, how you structure your holiday, especially if you've got school children. So sometimes some of those asks might be a little bit easier in terms of asking for money. But actually, again, you'll still build your confidence in making those asks that are necessary. Definitely. And the more you ask, the easier it gets. I obviously I'm very aware of the structural inequalities and I don't get a salary because I run my own organization. But I do sometimes get asked to speak, which isn't, you know, I don't seek out those opportunities. But they come to me. Sometimes organizations say, you know, could you do a speech on career progression for women and so on? And I've made a rule with myself to always ask for 20% more than I think in my gut is what I should be asking. Because I know I've been socialized to have a bias to not not asking for money. Therefore, and I'm Swiss, I should say, so there's a cultural element. And let's not go into all the horrible Swiss banking situation but we don't tend to talk about money in Switzerland and we definitely feel very scared sometimes like as individuals to ask about it so for example in Switzerland none of the job adverts ever will have a salary anyways that's in a bracket but since I've started doing that and always asking for 20% more nobody I've ever thought it was too expensive so that was quite interesting isn't it and it's so easy to underestimate what your value and if even I do it and I talk about these things all the time then surely to listeners should definitely think about that too. Absolutely. And so if someone, let's say, is going on, on maternity leave and then comes back and some people tell me that they feel a little bit of a lack of confidence coming back, but they also know they've been missed out of a round of pay rises just because of the structure of how things are done. Maybe pay rises are linked to performance appraisals and they haven't had those performance appraisals. Do you have any reflections on what you've seen work well for women or parents who did ask for pay in those situations? Yes, absolutely. I mean, in terms of how it should work, if even if you are on maternity leave, you should still be included in some kind of performance review. So ideally, as much as possible, I really encourage parents who are going on some kind of parental leave, because this definitely includes the other partner as well, if you're doing shared parental leave, 
for example, I definitely encourage them to ask before they go on maternity leave or parental leave, how are the performance reviews taking place whilst I'm off? And what are the opportunities for me to make sure that I'm still included in that leave? So I think actually having that kind of conversation gives you clarity, but also ensures that hopefully that you're not left off. And if it is performance related, I would also ensure that you're leaving a document around your performance before you go on any kind of performance leave that actually documents the value that you've brought to that organisation and has evidence. And even better, if you have a sponsor who can back those evidence points up, make sure that they do and also advocate for people sharing that document or piece of evidence with their sponsor so that sponsor can actually advocate for them if there are any reviews happening in their absence so definitely definitely ask and in a situation where let's say you weren't able to necessarily ask or gather that information before going on leave I would still do it you know immediately after coming back I'd still have that initial conversation either with HR or your manager because hopefully there will be a few sessions to kind of get you inducted back into the business or kind of using a keeping in touch day to do that and we'll definitely definitely ask and that ask again will be based on the value and the achievements and the evidence that you've hopefully collected during the time before you went off on parental leave and if you know you're feeling some kind of inertia of confidence you have to remind yourself that your skills do not stop because you have gone on parental leave it's not a career break it's a career continuation in a very very different way we talk about it in the book where I've given prompts for people to actually remember the different skills that they're still building whilst on parental leave because it can be so easy to forget because you're not thinking about yourself you're thinking about you know raising a new child and this new additional role that you've got so I always always encourage people to have the conversation if that conversation is challenging and you therefore believe that conversation is challenging based on a protected characteristic of you taking some kind of parental leave then I definitely would advocate kind of seeking some additional advice just to sense check where that conversation is heading if you feel that it's heading in a way that actually is potentially discriminatory but hopefully that's not the case for people but I know it can be in some cases. Definitely I think that's important to say yeah and I really think your point that it is possible to have those conversations just after maternity or shared parent leave or even during is so true. So with our fellowship program, I see people, you know, I hear the stories of what they're doing, their successes, their challenges and so on. And I heard so many stories of people who did ask the questions and then came back with really surprising. Oh, I got a promotion while on maternity. I mean, it wasn't a complete surprise because they applied, but they ask to be considered for promotions, they ask to be included, they ask for a pay rise, they ask to be paid the same for doing four days a week as for doing five days a week. And coming back, I think the crux is showing that value, like you said. So what what are your top two or three tips? I know it's not that simple, but I guess what would you advise someone who wants to show their value to an employer? Absolutely. I think, first of all, you have to get absolute crystal clear clarity on what excellent looks like in your role. Sounds really straightforward. But if you don't, then there might be a misalignment of your expectations or where you actually place that value. You may think the value is in, you know, running this amazing team. And obviously, that's a very good thing to do. But actually, what the business values in that moment based on the business strategy and direction is another element of your performance. So get really crystal clear on what is it that the business expects from you and then obviously 
perform because that is an absolute given. You've got to be a really high and strong performer and then document your achievements as as you are kind of going on that particular journey. And if you can get proof points and evidence and other people to also kind of align and chime in with the fact that you're doing a wonderful job and maybe kind of in 360 reviews and you don't have to wait for a formal point in your career to do a, a formal 360 review. You can just ask your peers or people that are more senior to you for feedback and you can kind of collect this and I actually really strongly advocate for maybe doing this in an Excel sheet. The wonderful thing about Excel is that obviously you can have the different tabs so as your role evolves as you take on different opportunities maybe there are side projects within your organization you can actually document those achievements and it becomes like your personal portfolio that you can carry around with you within your career and you're not always scratching your head of oh when did I do that thing and what was the result and what was the impact and what was the evidence of it if you are documenting it across your career it then becomes very 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 easy and I know you talk about a lot about sponsorship in your in your programs but sponsorship I believe is vital there is a quote that I absolutely love from Catalyst that we have in the book and I carry it around with me in my head everywhere I go but it says that you know women are largely always behind men in the terms of you know the career ladder for progression and opportunities and they remain behind men even with mentorship but when you have a highly placed mentor aka a sponsor the woman has the opportunity to actually propel themselves to the top of the list or eliminate the list in itself so sponsorship is massively important and as I mentioned I really advocate for sharing your successes and sharing your wins with your with your sponsor on a regular basis it doesn't necessarily have to be a meeting but if you are kind of keeping this dossier or portfolio of your achievements you can share it at regular intervals and make sure that your sponsor is also kind of advocating for you but make the job really easy for them to do so and the last thing I'd say is probably profile and visibility which everybody feels like well, not everybody, it can feel like quite a daunting thing to think about as a parent or as a mother. And you're thinking, my goodness, how can I be visible when I've got to be in 10,000 places at once? But be really strategic about, you know, the visibility that you believe that you need in your organisation. Are there projects that are aligned to your passion that are also really important to the business that you can contribute to because you've got the right skill set to do so, or you've just got the passion to do so? And are those projects kind of associated with somebody who is a really good person to know in your organization who will then have visibility over what you're able to deliver and if so how can you get involved and add value perception and visibility and people knowing who you are and what you can do is incredibly important it's not enough sadly just to work hard you've got to be visibly working hard and visibly known for the value that you're bringing as well so I always say to women don't just kind of come back from turn to leave and think oh my goodness I'm so lucky to be back I'm just going to keep my head down and do a good job no keep your head up do a good job make sure that your performance and your value is also visible around your organization couldn't agree more one thing that really annoys me is that per hour part-time work in the UK gets paid less than full-time work the gender pay gap is strongly driven by that because more women work part-time. Obviously, many parents do negotiate from full-time to part-time roles and then end up accepting lower pay. They're not offered lower pay, but then they might not, you know, in the next role, they might not get higher pay and so on. What are your reflections on that? I couldn't agree more that it is highly frustrating. I think 
my reflections on that would be as much as you possibly can is to obtain data points from the market. So it could be speaking to peers or maybe speaking to recruiters or headhunters who have a really good perspective of what the data is saying for that particular skill set and that particular role and make sure that you understand what the market value is for your role at a full-time salary and therefore look back at what you are then contributing or what you're actually doing and make sure does it actually align to the number of hours that you're contracted to work for of course there's nothing wrong with working over and above but if you are working way over above and therefore not being compensated appropriately as the market has been compensating for similar roles then you need to have a conversation with the right data points so i say don't be afraid again to kind of have those conversations about money and and talk about money and one thing is that we haven't necessarily mentioned is that sometimes you can just be in an organization that isn't progressive around all of these things especially when it comes to supporting working parents and I don't advocate you know just jump the ship for the sake of jumping the ship but actually when you find an organization that really values you your skill set working parents you can and you will flourish so a lot of this sometimes is you know finding your feet within a brilliant organization that will allow you to do great work deliver great value price that is fair within the market Absolutely. I think there is something also about the gratitude and understanding that we are wired. This is very, very um, stereotypical, but from working with our fellows, I can see that especially those who work in traditional organisations have to fight really hard to get flexible working arrangements, even today, especially if they are going down to three days or something like that, rather than just working for four days over five or something. And the problem is that you have this inner gratitude to think, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad finally I got this arrangement. And then you feel like you shouldn't ask for that extra pay rise at the next round of appraisals. And I think if ever you think you shouldn't ask, what, you know, what would someone do who routinely asks for pay rises and get gets routinely promoted? I tell my I wouldn't officially say think what a man would do because that's quite stereotypical I agree but I tell my sister whenever she's unsure about doing something I say what would a man do and then she's she's off on her way <laughs> so yeah I think that's exactly what we should think about yeah I think you know it's one thing if you're not performing and you're not meeting the expectations of your organization that's a completely different conversation but where you are and you're overachieving then I think you have every right to have those conversations or at least explore them and if it is a no then you find out why is a no? Maybe that no is a very reasonable no, but at least you understand rather than left wondering and thinking, could I, should I, you know? So yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. And what do you think about the pension pay gap? So in the UK, and I know we have listeners from across the world as well, but in the UK at least, women tend to end up with smaller pension pots than men, which makes them dependent on men if they are coupled up or makes them more likely to end up in poverty. Is there anything that we can prevent falling behind on the pension side during the time when we are bringing up young children? 
Absolutely. And it's not just the UK, sadly, in, in the US as well, there is a similar trend in terms of pensions and, and largely to do with raising children or taking time out to care for somebody, which predominantly falls on, on the woman. But also there's another factor that contributes to this, and that is that women tend to outlive men as well. So actually our pension pots on average, not necessarily all the time, but on average actually need to be larger than men's pension pots because we tend to out live men at the moment that's just the way that the data tends to show so yes I mean there's interesting things that you could do so for example making sure that you've got enough of a history of um, national insurance credits because that actually impacts your state pension so that is looking into things like child benefits that will help you to make sure that you can actually have enough a record when it comes to that so that you're eligible for your pension and then things like it depends. Everyone's relationship dynamic is different if you are in a relationship. But if you are talking about maternity leave and you're thinking about how long you should take off from maternity leave and how that's going to impact your earnings and therefore impact your salary, or maybe if you're going back on part-time hours, and again, that will impact your earnings, impact your salary and impact your pension contributions. I think at that point, really important to explore conversations about potentially topping up the other person's pension pot if your partner is in a position to do so. I've even heard of, and again, this is maybe slightly, it's a very privileged position to be in, I appreciate, but I've heard of people whose parents, for example, have even topped up their pension pot because their parents are in a position to do so. But again, I appreciate that as a small privileged percentage within the UK. But I think just being aware that actually taking some kind of leave or changing your hours can actually impact your pension pot at the end is a really powerful place to start from I think not being aware of those things can sometimes be you know where the snow snowball effect really starts in a really negative in a really negative way and if you can at some point when you kind of go back into work and maybe hopefully progress if you can afford to I know it's very very difficult because childcare is so incredibly expensive but where you can afford to overpay into your pension and make sure that you're taking advantage of any kind of employer contribution definitely encourage people to do so where they can but I appreciate again it's very difficult because there's lots of different financial pressures on families right now I think you're absolutely right to mention that and we are in a cost of living crisis at the moment and it is worth looking at how much your employer pays and how that compares to the market and even considering that as you're choosing who you want to work for because that pension may not matter right now but it will matter 30 or whenever we are retiring in 30 okay. years time yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely I feel very grown up talking about pensions I have to say <laughs> I know it's, gosh it, it feels so important but yeah you know one of those things it's such a big complicated topic at times mm, definitely and thinking about Fathers, you mentioned fathers a number of times. So it, it looks like I saw different research. Sadly, people seem not to be that interested in researching dads who work flexibly. We still all assume that dads want to be these breadwinners working full time. Do we know anything about the impact on pay for working working dads who choose to work flexibly? Do they get the same punishment, the same type of discrimination with pay that women do? I don't know of any research directly. I can only think of kind of anecdotally that I don't know exactly how it impacts their pay. But anecdotally, I know that they struggle to also sometimes have 
conversations obviously depending on where they're working I think one thing is you know raising the topic in, in itself not all men feel comfortable raising the topic about working flexibly depending on where they work and the culture and then secondly they often find that there can be a lot of pushback largely because of things like the very low take up of shared parental leave often when men want to take shared parental leave very often they're one of the very first people to do so in the organization or one of the very few people to do so in the organization so there aren't many precedents of people actually doing it so it can be quite challenging it's actually one of the reasons why in the book very fortunately we talked to a couple that have done shared parental leave three times and I think they're a wonderful very rare but a very wonderful example of what it looks like potentially for a family and, and how it can work so I do really agree with you in the sense that we need more data we need more stories to celebrate the possibilities of fathers taking more of a parenting role and blending that with their work there is a very small study that McKinsey did actually where they looked at a small subsection of fathers who took some kind of shared parental leave and actually they found that it had a positive impact on their loyalty to their organization so actually a positive impact when men took shared parental leave but again we need way more research and way more data in this area definitely if any researchers are listening and want to talk to us please do, do yes, get in touch i think there's also something about the dads just anecdotally and uh, being encouraged to do that share parental leave and getting positive messages i also do hear sadly still quite a few stories of dads being sent messages such as oh are you still committed to your career mm. when they want to take share parental leave so really fantastic to have it, well, in the Leaders Plus network, and I'm sure in your network as well, there's so many dads who are doing it and who are changing the world for future generations just by not living up to their breadwinner expectation of working full time. So well done to all of them without sounding patronising. And I think the other thing is just on a practical note, one thing that we do in our household is that I work four days a week and Dean does four days a week. And that just means two days we don't need to pay for childcare. Obviously, it's great for him. It's great for me because we both have strong relationships with the kids. But it's fantastic because we do save quite a lot of money in the city London nursery fees. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's plenty of really, really useful resources on your website. I had a really good look around and there's a lot of things that I'm sure will be invaluable. Can you repeat the URL again so people can find it? Absolutely. It is www.mybumphay.com. Com. Fantastic. And your book? Yes, it's called The Blend, How to Successfully Manage a Career and a Family. Fantastic. And I presume it can be found online. Amazon, Waterstones, Derek Smith, lots of retailers. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on all the brilliant work. I'm so pleased we had this conversation. Let's keep talking in some shape or form. And I would like to ask you for just two practical tips that someone could take in five minutes or so if they want to improve their pay? Really good question. Practical tips in five minutes. One, I would say spend five minutes with documenting your achievements and your evidence points. And two, if you feel a little bit nervous about having the conversation, just find somebody who will spend five minutes with you practicing the conversation and giving you a little bit of feedback. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Toby. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast and you think a non-judgmental community of support would be really helpful to you, then I would love to hear from you as an application to the 
Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. As you know properly, this is designed to help you to identify where you want your career to head and will give you lots of support and encouragement along the way. And then most importantly, to help you make it possible to get there practically whilst being present with your family in whatever way you want that to be. Previous fellows have said it made them take really courageous steps that they never thought possible and also that they made lifelong friends and connections. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or got additional senior responsibility by the end of the program and that's particularly impressive because most of them work part-time or flexibly. Plus, I think they've all got quite mavericky in a good way. They're all involved in some shape or form of driving vital change for working parents, be that mentoring other parents, be that changing policy in their organizations, whatever fits at that moment in their lives. It only takes about half a day a week. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that would be a lot. Half a day a month. So I think it's more than doable. It's been designed with parents in mind. You can find all the details on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash cross sector fellowship. And also, if you want us to talk to your employer, to your organization about offering this to their employees, i.e. you, then let me know and my colleague Joe or I can have a conversation with them. My email is verena at leadersplus.org.uk. On a completely unrelated note, I also feel passionate about gender equality in podcasting. And I've recently learned that the top, you know, 100 podcasts, etc., it's extremely male-dominated, I think 90% male-dominated or something like that, depending on what's that you look at. And I thought that needs to change urgently. So if you want to help and <laughs> push forward female-led podcasts, then first of all, listen and share female-led podcasts. And if you think this podcast is, is good and useful, then also do share that, leave reviews and do all those things that increases the algorithm's prominence. So yeah, for example, a WhatsApp or signal message to some friends with a link to the podcast is always very welcome and very helpful and hopefully it will help us smash this particular glass ceiling up in the podcast world. See you next week and thank you so much for your support.